Hello, welcome to Living Haters, a show about people who are engaged in the haters and culture sector, all those who keep haters alive at the community level. This episode is a part of a series of programs in partnership with the Memorial University graduate course Folk 6740, Public Folklore and the Craft Council of Newfoundland, to document craft traditions in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. My name is Nadia Sarwar and our today's guest is Janet Peter, who has been working in Craft Council of Newfoundland and Labrador for 20 years. She possesses a great interest in creating paper mache mamar figurines of local traditions and folklore. And these themes recur in much of her work. After high school, Janet briefly studied animation. Shortly after graduating with a visual arts diploma, she began a line of paper mache mamar figurines. She earned a master's in political science, worked as a workers advocate, then moved across the country to St. John's to start her career afresh. Currently, she is working on a series of needle-filtered sculptures depicting pre-Victorian yielded folklore and practices for an upcoming solo exhibit. Welcome to our show. It's really nice to have you in our studio. Thank you, Nadia. I'm really glad to be here. Okay, let's start with your present work. Tell us something about your upcoming solo exhibition. What's your plan for the exhibition and why did you choose this topic? I mean the pre-Victorian yielded folklore and practices for the exhibition. Well, the uh, title of the of the exhibit is It's a Cruel Yule, and it features needle-felted sculptures depicting different uh, pre-Victorian uh, Yuletide rather, practices, mostly in Western European countries. So by that, I mean, for example, I'm doing a um, rather large needle-felted Krampus which was uh, and remains very much something that's uh, still celebrated in parts of Germany today, that being more or less a depiction of a devil who punishes uh, children who were bad during Christmas time, and he basically kidnaps them and stuffs them in a sack. So it runs counter to our sort of uh, jolly old St. Nick traditions of today, and I've found other similarly uh, sort of vicious and creepy traditions that predate the arrival of Santa Claus in Western culture. That sounds really interesting. I wish you very, very best for your upcoming ex solo exhibition. I'm also interested to know about your other exhibitions. Did you arrange this type of solo exhibition before? Will you share something with us about those exhibitions? Well, actually, um, I went through some of my past exhibits and I also did a exhibit along with Rachel Ryan back in 2001 exploring uh, Newfoundland folklore and folklore traditions but in that one I used uh, paper mache and if I could just give an example some of my pieces depicted uh, fairies, uh, spells that were done to um, find an, a husband there was uh, legends about the mermaids, etc. So that was actually a very interesting exhibit. And I've had a few since, but those focused more on female forms and just playing around with different sort of uh, paper mache sculptural ideas. That's great. Uh, can you tell us something about the audiences of your exhibition? I mean, who do you generally get as your audience? Well, surprisingly enough, uh, uh, I only came to uh, realize 
within the last five years or so that the folklore students and staff actually are big fans of my work. <laughs> so I was actually surprised. I shouldn't have been, but I was. And apart from that is um, mostly people who like my sort of references to Newfoundland nostalgia, in particular uh, mummers, which I make, but I also for a while did hags, and I still do hags on occasion. So I find that some traditions and folklore really grab my attention, and I enjoy creating crafts based on that. That's great. I hope those who are listening to our program right now will be interested to visit your exhibition, surely. Now, let's talk about your work. What actually motivates you to embark on a journey to a career in the arts? I've been making art basically since I was a kid. And while I know it's probably not the most lucrative career to follow, um, it's something I've always done. It's something I've always enjoyed doing. And I basically um, decided to practice it professionally in 2001 so I've more or less made that the mainstay of my income. However, as an artist, as many artists will tell you, I have other sideline jobs such as teaching and research and I work with a consulting company to sort of make ends meet because it's very difficult to just have that as your sole income. It's really inspiring. I know that you possess a great interest in creating paper mache mama figurines of local traditions and folklore. Is there any specific reason for that? When I graduated uh, from Kona way back in 97, um, there were no mummers basically on the market at that time in Newfoundland. Sure, people were making them uh, for themselves and there was the odd ornament here and there, but really to the extent that it exists today, it just wasn't happening 20 years ago. So a friend of mine uh, said, can you make me a mummer ornament because I would like one for my tree. And from there, I decided to basically tinker around and see if I could come up with a, a line of product that I could sell. And it was uh, inspired by stories that were told to me by different people who grew up mostly around the Bay and their experiences with mummering. So my line of mummers really reflects those experiences, which in many ways was not always a positive one. And the element of people disguising themselves is was very off-putting for a lot of little children so I try to bring that that um, sort of mystical kind of otherworldly sense to my pieces and I've been doing this now for 20 years and my line continues to have an audience so I continue to make it and that's how it started basically someone said there's no mummer ornaments out there so I was happy to do it and it continues to this day. That's great. I know that mummering is a very famous tradition of Newfoundland and people of Newfoundland are really, really crazy about this tradition. Will you say something about the mama tradition of Newfoundland, especially with our audiences who are not from Newfoundland? Well, um, if I could just tie this in sort of with our first discussion around my uh, Cruel Yule exhibit, if there's anything that I've been able to come up with in my research, it's this idea of disguise 
And this is, seems to be a universal concept, particularly in the winter months. There's a, a real um, kind of desire to dress up and have costume and sort of fight against the darkness. So mummering, in keeping with that sort of idea, people want to just go out and have fun and just uh, maybe scare away the evil that the darkness symbolizes. So mummering is a big part of that. And the mummering tradition in Newfoundland is really a hybrid that was brought over from both England and Ireland. And it was initially based on the mummer play that was uh, done in medieval uh, England. So that's where uh, the mummering tradition comes now. The advent of the mummer parade is a new thing and is basically sort of like the second revival of mummering, in, in particularly in town. So mummering was revived back in the 60s and 70s by um, people who wanted to really re-embrace their whole uh, Newfoundland identity. And then it kind of just eased out a bit, but then was there was a real resurgence again with this whole mummer parade. And it's become driven by town, so it's changed how it looks. And I think that actually makes it a really interesting thing because it's, it's still mummering tradition, but it's taken on sort of a new generation. And it's spread throughout the island and Labrador. So it's a pretty ex exciting development. I know that besides mummer figurines, you also make mixed media dolls, lamps, wall hangings, and sculptures, each of which is individually handmade. Will you tell us something about those creations of yours? I mean, you can't just make, for myself anyway, it, I find it difficult to just focus on one product. So I've made mummers now for almost 20 years. And so it's hard if you're just doing one thing over and over. At least for myself, I, you need to sort of spread yourself uh, artistically a bit. So with the paper mache, I, I tried to see where I could take it. So I've done wall hangings to kind of give like sort of a 3D relief effect. I've done uh, large vases also with imagery and mostly in acrylic to basically they're decorative ob objects as well. And I've done mostly uh, work centered around the female form and so just trying to just see where I could go with paper mache, but I've also recently expanded my practice into printmaking and needle felting, as I said earlier. And for those who aren't familiar with needle felting, it's the process of taking wool that hasn't been spun, so it's very coarse, and using a barbed needle to create sculpture. So this is a, it's a time-consuming uh, practice. However, you can get some really interesting detail, and it also brings a different sort of texture and media to a piece. So I, I create work that's that one would be inclined to think is a doll, but actually, when you when you go into the sort of creepiness of the subject matter, there's sort of a, a conflict there with the medium that you're using and the uh, subject you're depicting, which I find really fun and interesting. But I also make uh, 
products that aren't necessarily off-putting. They're just like cats and mermaids and <laughs> stuff that's whimsical and, and, and sweet, too. <laughs> <laughs> do people like them? Yes, they do. They really do. How do you get to know that they like them? I do craft fairs. I I think it's important to meet your audience. And when you you do a craft fair, you really meet the people who are buying your, your products. You also get a lot of feedback from people. A lot of my mummers in particular are reflective of stories that people tell me when I see them at craft fairs. So I've, I've found out about different traditions in different parts of the islands like um, I remember when I did a craft fair in Cornerbrook the people there said that they called them jannies and didn't call them mummers necessarily so I I gathered that information and also they said they wore paper bags on their heads instead of sheets so that was another element that I brought into my work to reflect the stories that I was told so I really think it's important as a craftsperson to get out there and meet your audience and and accept their feedback. You may not always agree with what they say, but often their input is invaluable for helping you grow your product and to to change it and make it more marketable. So I really enjoy that aspect of my, my work. Yeah, your products are not actually only the products. It actually carries also the story Absolutely. of a culture, of the heritage of Newfoundland. And that's really interesting. I know that you are always inspired by the vibrant culture of Newfoundland. And this also reflects in your creations. I wanted to know, how do you maintain your uniqueness while creating something? Um, I don't try to copy what other people are doing. So actually... If I do copy, it's it's very it's not conscious. It's not a conscious attempt. And I, I know that artists do draw from other artists and maybe borrow heavily from what other artists are doing. But if I do that in my work, it really becomes my own. And if I see something I like that someone else is doing, I don't try to mimic what they've done, but rather make it my own. I think that's important as an artist to bring your own voice to your work. Um, the color choices that I make are also very much reflective of my personality. So I tend to work with very bright and very jewel-like tones for a lot of my work. And the subject matter is very much my own. And as a, a craftsperson, I don't use patterns. I rather everything is uh, made from scratch, more or less. So it's it's how I interpret things. So I don't copy a pattern or anything. So that uh, also allows for a unique product. That's really good. Uh, in this age of industrialization, how would you evaluate the importance of craft, actually? Well. I see a lot of people maybe pushing back against this sort of fast, everything's immediate um, culture that we're in now. And I notice that there's this whole slow movement on the go where people are trying to actually go and follow a process to get somewhere rather than everything being goal-oriented. I know even for myself, I, I expect everything to be immediate, the results. And, and you have to fight against that and actually appreciate the, 
the process of making uh, a product. And I find a similar um, um, attitude with printmakers because printmaking is also a, a process that basically hasn't changed in 300 years. So you're using printing presses that have were used, they're not much different from what Gutenberg uh, used when he started printing. So there's this real tactile, real slow, real process-oriented approach to creating that I think people really appreciate. And I, I think it's actually valuable to creating a product to be part of that kind of process. Technology has a place, like especially computer technology and design. But I also think that we can't just eliminate doing things by hand and doing things essentially in a very pre-industrialized way because there's something that people really need to connect with when they're making art that isn't necessarily achieved when it's done from behind a computer screen. Okay. Did you ever encounter with any tourist who has come to Newfoundland and buying your things and uh, how was their responses? Well, I, in the summer, um, I tend, I sell my work mostly through the craft council. So I have not uh, encountered firsthand the tourists in terms of buying my work. Uh, so, but I I have to say that my mummers do sell in the summer. So obviously, tourists are buying them as a unique uh, sort of reminder of Newfoundland, and it's not necessarily something that they're familiar with. So I always have the the mummer story included with the tag when it's on my product. So. Because if you're not familiar with mummering, you're going to wonder what what they are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but no, obviously there people find them uh, unique enough that they want to bring it back, and it's sort of a representation of a of a very unique island culture to begin with. And I think people really gravitate towards that. Tourists are really um, encouraged to buy the souvenir. Yes, Newfoundland, I think. Um, now let's talk about the Craft Council. I know that you have been working in Craft Council of Newfoundland for approximately 20 years. So how did you get involved in Craft Council? Well, see, initially, again, when I graduated from Kona back in 97, um, I really didn't know how to approach a market in order to sell my work. And it was suggested to me that I get involved with the Craft Council because they foster relationships with uh, artisans and nurture, help them nurture their careers, giving them advice. Um, you have opportunities to sell through their shop. They have craft fairs. They have wholesale shows, um, conferences, any number of... Um, opportunities for artisans to exhibit so they really foster a environment for growth and they have uh, professional development sessions to help 
artisans uh, grow. They also jury your craft, and by that I mean they will look at your work and give you feedback, really honest feedback about where it needs to improve and how you can make a better product. And I think that's invaluable for a person in terms of growing as an artist. And also, you don't want to sell a poor product to people because it's not cheap. And I know what it's like when I buy something and if it falls apart or if it's tears or something, you're very disappointed because you really... I mean, it's you, you really work hard for your money and you want a quality product and I want to be part of that as well. So they're really um, invaluable resource for anyone who's thinking of taking their uh, creations to the next level. That is, they will make you a, a professional. So that's theirs. So Craft Council of Newfoundland uh, help you to grow as an artist. Absolutely. So yeah. Do you see any changes in your work after starting working for Craft Council? Yes. My work at, and just as someone who has um, worked at, a, at the same product over 20 years at, it's going to evolve and change and then when you have uh, professionals in your field giving you input on how to strengthen the quality and artistic uh, merit of your piece, you also see changes. So it has developed, I, I think it's developed into a much stronger product than when I first started out. So I'm very, very pleased with that. So I think the input of time and having a professional organization has really uh, made my products, all my products, better for it than if I was just on my own. So the Craft Council represents a really broad uh, variety of artisans. You have jewelers, you have um, people who work with pottery, people who are painters, photographers, woodworkers, uh, people who work with textiles, so and quilters and rug hookers, and any craft that you can imagine, it is likely someone does that craft and is a member of the Craft Council. So it's, I do believe, over uh, 200 people represented by the Craft Council across Newfoundland and Labrador. So it's a really wide uh, variety of crafts people represented by the organization, which has been I believe in operation since 1981. So, and it's still at the same location on Duckworth Street in this old building, which is known as Devon House. So, that's great. If people want to join in the Craft Council like you, what should they need to do? Oh, well, it's very easy. You just go to their, their website, and all the contact information is there. And it's just just Google Craft Council NL and it'll take you right there. That's great. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the Craft Council of Newfoundland? I mean, about its activities, also its aims and motives? Well, its, <clears throat> its aims basically is excellence in craft in Newfoundland and Labrador. So by doing that, um, it, ha it acts as a resource with 
uh, the craftspeople, members that it serves, but also as an outreach to the community at large through craft fairs and through exhibitions, through um, pottery programs that they offer for all age levels. They work closely with government and industry professionals, so tourism is a big deal for them as well. So they're very much a part of the tourist industry in this province. Outreach in terms of just professionalizing the craft industry in the province, uh, trying to reach people regardless of whether they're in the city or in a rural setting so that they can have access to all the programs and exhibition opportunities as well as the retail opportunities which is the craft council shop um, of all the craft craft councils across canada takes in the highest income of all of them so that's something that we can be really proud of when you think of places where they have craft council shops in like alberta and ontario we are uh, head and ears above them in terms of sale, sales for craftspeople and income for our um, our craft um, council. So I'm I find that very impressive just by how it's run. So it's a mix of nonprofit and retail and pretty much self sustaining. That's great. Uh, will you talk a bit about the future of craft in Newfoundland? I think the future looks really good. Um, I think with the shift of focus on tourism, craft is a big part of that. I was just reading something about uh, the art and artisans that going on in Fogo, and they are doing very well for their craftspeople in terms of selling at very good prices and allowing their artisans to be self-sustaining because people want to go to Fogo and Fogo is such a tourist destination for people all over the world that they are um, allowing their artists to stay and live there. So I see that on that micro level that could be expanded to Newfoundland and Labrador because people when they come here they want an experience. They don't want something made in China. They want something that's made here so that they can remember their overall experience when they came to visit the province. So I think craft is a really big part of that. And when you take something home that's been handcrafted, it has much more meaning than something that you just get. Um, at the dollar store or something like that. So I think craft can really benefit from the increased tourist industry in Newfoundland and Labrador. That's great. Uh, in your opinion, what can be done to encourage the younger generation of Newfoundland to be involved in craft? The Anna Templeton Centre, along with the City of St. John's, has the uh, plantation out in Kittivity Village, and it's like a incubator for craftspeople, not necessarily young, but just those starting out in a career in craft. So it could be someone very young who's just graduated, but it could also be someone who has changed careers uh, in midlife as, as well, but they would still be considered an emerging craftsperson. And in that space, you're surrounded with other craftspeople, but you also have an opportunity to sell because it's a big tourist destination. 
in the summertime and also a, a destination for Christmas shoppers in the winter. So I think that's a very good program in terms of getting people to um, start their careers. As a result of the plantation, though, uh, there's been a new um, craft sort of um, business starting out in Bonavista, and a lot of that is spearheaded by people who who were at the plantation and began their careers basically in those incubators and they took what they learned and and the sales techniques and and uh, networking opportunities that they were allowed to have and brought that over to Bonavista which is now a real blossoming craft um, industry starting out there and very popular with tourists so this is exciting I see. One last question. If people want to know about the Craft Council of Newfoundland and also about your work, where should they go? I'm on Facebook. Uh, just my name, Janet Peter. Um, you can find me there. But you could also find my page, which is Designs by Janet. And the Craft Council, they also have a Facebook page. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to our studio. Thank you, Nadia. It's been a real treat. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. Thanks for listening.